I would like to take a moment before we jump into our sermon to just pastor all of our eight campuses. And uh, I love multi-site. I love that uh, our campus pastors get to uh, pastor, care for, and disciple at the local church. And then I get to use my gifts to equip and to lead and to teach. And uh, I love that. But I want to pastor all the campuses. So normally I might say what I'm going to say during uh, announcements, but I wanted all the campuses to be able to see this with the sermon. And uh, I know that our NADA series is over and we're moving on to a, a short two-part series on love much needed. Uh, but I just want to give a recap with all that's going on in our nation and everything that's happening. And uh, this will lead into the uh, series on love. Uh, I just want to say that in light of the election, in light of all that's happened, remember, uh, I still stand by what I said at the beginning of the series. Uh, neither choice was a great choice, all right? I just want to be clear. Uh, each of them came with their own set of, of downfall and advantages. And I just believe that uh, if there was a better candidate, we would have voted for a better candidate. I really believe that. And I want to let you know that um, we're going to uh, fight to keep our values strong and uh, hold uh, President-elect uh, Trump uh, to a higher standard, saying, you know, we want to hold you to the higher standard that you need to live up to. And uh, I just want to let you know a couple things. First of all, I'm thankful that he has surrounded himself with godly people. I can tell you uh, that he has surrounded himself with godly people. Um, there, there were uh, over a dozen pastors that were praying with him the entire night. Uh, I've read some of the emails. I've had uh, the privilege of being able to see some of those emails of people that have prayed with him. And he has uh, surrounded himself with uh, kind of the who's who of pastors of America. Uh, I just name a few. Uh, A.R. Bernard pastors in New York City. He has uh, one of the largest African-American churches, 25,000 in, in the whole United States. He's an advisor. Tony Suarez, uh, who is with the Hispanic League of Churches, uh, vice president of that. Uh, James Dobson, James Robeson. James Robeson has been praying with him like five times a day. I'm just saying. And emailing everybody, keeping everybody in the loop uh, of what's going on. Uh, Robert Morris, who has preached here, is advising him. Jensen Franklin. Uh, Coach Mullins, Tom Mullins, who will be doing one of our men's nights up ahead, uh, he is advising. He and I are personal friends. We've been hunting together, and he is advising uh, President-elect Trump. So there are men and women of God around him, surrounding him, uh, that, and that, uh, that, that encourages me. And I want to let you know that um, Huckabee, Carson, and Pence are all born-again Christians. And that, I mean, those are people in leadership that are born-again Christians. They're speaking into that. So I am thankful for that. Um, I also am hopeful for another thing, and I tweeted this out, put it on Instagram, and it is where I really stand. I, I just believe that uh, sometimes when people are uh, faced with an opportunity like this, they can rewrite the final chapters of their life. I think of uh, Alfred Nobel, who uh, made his money off of weapons of mass destruction, arms and armament. And uh, if you know the story, he saw an obituary that was written about him. He didn't die, but he actually saw a, an obituary that was saying that he died. And he realized that his whole life had amounted to weapons of mass destruction, armament. And he thought, that I, don't want that, I don't want that to be the last chapters of my life. And so then he went on to change his life and do something great. And we now give the Nobel Peace Prize in his name. And so I've been praying ever since uh, Donald Trump was elected on election night that he would have that opportunity, that he could make the last chapters better than the previous chapters, that there would be, uh, he'd be known for goodness instead of the, uh, uh, well, smut and things that were on him in the campaign. And I'm just praying that he'll take a uh, full opportunity of this to say, I want to live in a righteous way. I want to make a difference. I want to do the right thing. 
I do believe this, that um, it's a sobering wake up. I believe that uh, in his election, uh, the American church will avoid uh, persecution for a season. I really believe that. I believe that the Supreme Court justices that he said he would put on the court are going to allow the church to continue to grow in religious freedom. He has pledged that he will repeal the Johnson Amendment uh, that prohibits churches from talking about their political leaders. So he said, I'll let you... I think the church needs to have a prophetic voice. I thought about this. He's going to repeal the amendment that is going to allow people to call out his sin. You know, so I, I just, that's, it's okay. All right, let's see him do that. All right. Um, I do want to say this too, that this was really like, this is a political win. It was a legal win, but it was not a moral win for the church. And I don't want the church to act like it was a moral win. Um, the work of the church is hard. It is hard ahead of us. Uh, it is a difficult road. Uh, the values that were voted on, people... Uh, a lot of America isn't excited about religious freedom. A lot of uh, America is not excited about the rights of the unborn. Uh, a lot of America is not excited about traditional families. A lot of America doesn't hold those values uh, near and dear. And so I just want to let you know that the work is still there. The church has to move forward and build the church. We are not a political organization. We're the church. And uh, the, the world hasn't listened to the preaching. The world is not impressed by our living. We've got to elevate our living. We've got to shine so bright that they see the good deeds of the church and glorify our Father in heaven. And we've also got to say, you know what? Um, we are going to live differently. We're going to elevate this. And I want to let you know that the church has to pray for revival. We need to pray for revival. It, it, the church will not move forward with, with voting and, and politics. The church has to move forward with revival. We need a revival in America where people will be coming back to church, coming to Jesus Christ, where the society will change. I know that our two boys, Connor and Logan, were asking me, like, do you really think we can have another revival? And I said, I don't know if we can, but I know we should pray for it. And I believe it's possible. Things were bleak in, in, in society years ago, and there were awakenings that happened and, and the stirring in, in people's lives. So we need to pray for revival. And as I pastor the church, I will say this, um, regardless of how you voted, all right, Stop spending time defending the rightness of your vote and start showing the greatness of your love. Start showing the greatness of Jesus Christ. Let's move on and show the greatness of Jesus Christ. Now, now we led into our Not A Series with Bob Goff talking about love. And uh, I absolutely loved having Bob Goff here. Of course, his theme of his book and really his preaching is Love Does. And I absolutely just so enjoyed having him here. And I thought it was appropriate to lead in with love. And now we're coming out of the Nada series talking about love. I think that is God helping us to get back on track, to lead into it and get back on track with what really matters. And as a side note, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask Bob if we can uh, show the sermons again. Um, when, when he travels around the world, and usually he has you just do live stream and you can't put them online, and we put the sermons online for uh, two weeks, but uh, much of the church did not see the Sunday morning 9.30 sermon. By the way, he preached a different sermon at every service, okay? And so we, we showed one of the Saturday night sermons to everybody. And so I'm going to ask permission to show that 9.30 sermon. That was the one that impacted me the most because he talked about love and justice. If you remember, if you were there for that service, he talked about, I love those witch doctors, but I will kill them. You know, that balance, you know. <laughs> that was there so if they do the wrong thing so anyways I really believe we need to show off the greatness of our love and as we look at this series on all we need is love John 13 35 said by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another 
We have to love one another. And right now, whoever loves first, whoever loves strongest, whoever loves longest, whoever has the greatest love will catch the attention of this world. And in this, in this series, I wanted to look at, I want to take a time and look at all the different words and maybe give equal time. But really, um, next week, we're going to talk about the greatest love and really camp out there. But I'll give you a little bit about the word love. In our language, we have just one word for love. We just have, it's just the word love. And you could say, I love ice cream. By a show of hands, how many love ice cream? Raise your hand. Did you know they're half calories on Sunday? Did you know that? Ice cream has half <laughs> calories on Sunday. Okay, you say, I love ice cream. I love my car. I love my dog. I love my family. I love my savior. I think I love you, Jesus. And I love this, you know, car. It doesn't, same word. Like we need more words. I really believe that uh, America needs greater words for love. We need a, the English language needs more variety. And the New Testament, when the Bible was written and the New Testament was written, it was written in the language, uh, the Greek language. It was written in the Greek language and they had many words for love. And I just want to point out a few of them because I think we can learn uh, a little bit about how to love God, how to love people, how to love our enemies by the way that these words are used because when the Bible uses the word love, there's different words for love, all right? But the Greek culture had even more than what's found in the Bible. And so I'll give you a few of the words. One of the words that was used for love was uh, storge. Storge love is an affectionate love that is primarily in the family. And I won't talk much about this because we just did our Family 30 series. Our Family 30 series, parents loving their children, children loving parents. It's a family type of love. And, and, and that's a great love that is there. And, and the Greeks said there's a love. And when you say that word, I, I, you'd say that word and you would tell them, I love you because you're my family. We have this love within our family. Another word that was used by the Greeks is eros. And it was, this word is for sexual passion. And uh, I won't go into great detail on that. We'll leave that for a marriage night, maybe in February or something. And, uh, but our society, this is where we get the, the word erotica, eros. Okay, it's a sexual passion. And it seems like our society is in love with this form of the word. They think this is the end all, be all. And it's so sad because I don't even think we, as a society, it's not even love. We've settled for lust called love and there's a greater love available, all right? Um, but the, the Greeks would see this love, they saw it was very dangerous. They knew it was out there and they'd say there's an Eros love and they're like, it's very dangerous when you're in this type of love, you don't think with your right mind, you do irrational things and they're like, be careful. They would be mortified at the statement that we say we are madly in love. They'd be like, oh, don't say that, that's dangerous. But I will tell you this, this type of love in, in marriage, I would say, bring it on, all right? I'm just gonna say that, all right? Now, there's another type of word Pragma, pragma, and um, again, not a very popular word, but when I was studying the different words that the Greeks had, and again, that the Bible culture was written in, I love this word. This is a mature love. This is, the picture of this love is a love that has been together for lots of seasons. They've been through the ups and the downs, and there, there's a depth to their love. And the picture of this word pragma 
is, is a love that says, I, I love you in a mature way. And the best way I could say that it's like an, an older couple that has been married for so many years that there's just a depth that they, when they smile, when they hold each other's hand, when they, uh, the other, not that long ago, Beck and I were at a, a burger restaurant and uh, we were sitting there and there's this old couple there. And they were sitting at the table and they were so old. And they sat down and they unwrapped their sandwich and, and she took a bite and then slid it over to him. And then he took, I mean, they weren't sharing teeth or nothing, but they were like <laughs> sliding the burger and the fries and the drink. And they, you know, and I was like, oh, that's so adorable. And they're shuffling out to the car and he opens the door for her. I like, that's so adorable. I mean, that, that's pragma. And I was like, man, someday that's going to be us. And I'm like, you want to split a meal? I'm like, we're closer than we realize. We're splitting meals. You know, we're old. But I think we need a little more pragma love. And I thank God for those of you that have been married long enough that you show the world that example of a love that's been through the ups and downs. And you still love each other and you've moved forward. And now this word is used in the Bible. It's a, another type of love, phileo, phileo. And it's a, a friendship love. Um, it's a brotherly love. Uh, matter of fact, the, the city of Philadelphia, is that, it's using that word, phileo. It's saying uh, let's love each other like brothers and sisters. And I think we could use a lot more phileo love right now. I, I think we could use more phileo love that we could love our brothers, love our sisters, and have more civility. We could be brotherly. We could be kind. And in, in the Bible, in Matthew eleven nineteen, this is where it uses the word phileo. When it says Jesus was a friend of sinners, it uses the word phileo. What it meant was when he was around sinners, he was civil with them. He was nice to them. He was kind to them. He talked to them. He wasn't mean to them. He had a phileo love. Whenever he was around sinners, he was seen as a nice guy. God helped the church to be around sinners and be seen as nice people. That's what it says. Jesus was a friend of sinners. And so it uses that word. Another time that the Bible uses the word phileo, it says Jesus loved Lazarus. It says Jesus loved Lazarus. You know, and when it says that, it uses that word phileo. It said he was friends with Lazarus. They were kind to one another. They talked to each other. They, they enjoyed each other's company. And that's why it, we see when Lazarus dies, Jesus was grieved because he lost a true friend, somebody that he loved in a phileo kind of way. But the Bible doesn't stop there. The Bible uses that word about two dozen times. So not a lot, but it's in there. The Bible primarily points to the word agape love. Agape love. Matter of fact, it's used about 116 times as a noun and 143 times as a verb. It's a word that says, I love you unconditionally. I love you how God loves you. I love you how God loves me. I love you in the fact that I recognize God loves me and I could never repay him. And that's part of agape love saying like, it's, there's a, a gap between what I can even return to you and yours is so much greater. And God's like, that's how much I love you. And when we love the poor or when we love our enemies or when we love people that take advantage of us, God's like, you're getting an opportunity to agape love them because I agape love you unconditionally. And when you do this for them and those people can't repay you or they're mean to you or they slander you and you still love them, that's agape love. And God's like, that's how I want my followers to live. 
I want you to live in an unconditional love. I want you to get there. And, and, and God's like, don't settle for phileo. Go up to agape love. Many, many scriptures use it. And I'll, I'll use just a couple. Ephesians 4.2 says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. It's agape love. That means you have to have agape love patience. Agape love kindness and gentleness. Humility. Philippians 2.2 says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, agape love, being one in spirit and of one mind. He's saying, I want you to have this unconditional love for each other. I want you to be there for each other. I want you to care for the people that love you, that don't love you, that hurt you. It's going to be an unconditional. You will always give this love to people. It's a high level to live at. It's a high level to live at. And sadly, I believe it's shrinking in society. Uh, a Greek scholar by the name of Roman Kersnarek, he said this. He said, there's a growing evidence that agape love is in dangerous decline in many countries. He just wrote this recently, within a year or two. He said, empathy levels in the United States have dropped nearly 50% in the last 40 years with the steepest fall in the past decade. And it almost feels like if we're in decline and in the last decade we're in a nosedive, how many know it feels like in this last election uh, series we're in a straight drop? It's like, agape, where's the agape love? Where's the kindness? Where's the unconditional love? Where is it at? I mean, we need to revive this and the, the church needs to pull out, pull out of the nosedive and realize God has called us to love at an agape love level. And you and I can't do it in our own strength, but God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. He's like, I want you to go out and change the world with love and I want you to change it with the power of the Holy Spirit. I've given you what you need. Now go love in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now again, the Bible doesn't hold phileo love as a, as a high goal, all right? It's kind of like, it's an easy thing to do. Phileo love, just phileo love each other. Uh, just get out there and every time I say that, I'm like phileo love, phileo fish. I mean, that's how I feel. You were thinking it too, weren't you? I know you were. It's like, it's easy. It's easy, love, love people, be kind, be nice. And if that's where you're at, be civil, be kind, be nice. But it's like, get to another level. And I want to use the one story today. I'll hit it rather quickly where both words are used. In John chapter 21, the apostle Peter has denied the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was then crucified on the cross. He paid for my sins, your sins, the sins of the world. And whoever calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. That's what the Bible tells us. Jesus died on the cross, paid the price. Then he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. And the Bible tells us that he appeared to his disciples. He appeared to Mary Magdalene. And they were trying to figure out what do we do? What's going on? And we have these accounts of Jesus appearing to his disciples after he rose from the dead. And we have one of those accounts there. And in that account in John chapter 21, uh, Jesus appears to his disciples. They've been out fishing and they haven't caught anything. He's like, throw the net on the other side. They do. They catch all the fish. Peter realizes this has to be Jesus on the shore. He jumps out of the boat, swims over there, sees Jesus, and you could see him, and they have uh, breakfast together, and then it's about to be quiz time. How many know if Jesus is quizzing you, that's probably not a good thing? <laughs> it's about to be quiz time for Peter. And Jesus says in the text, he says, when they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he used the word agape. He said, do you unconditionally love me? Do you have that God-type unconditional love for me? And he says, Peter answers him, yes, Lord, I love you at a phileo level. I, you're a friend. 
your friend. I love you, friend. Jesus is up here and Peter's down here. Do you agape me? I, I feel, I, I'm with you. I, I, you and I are good. Okay, then feed my lambs. So then Jesus asked him a second time. Jesus, he said, Peter, do you, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me more? I mean, do you love people? In the, do you love the way God loves? And he's like, I really, really friendship you. If Facebook was invented, I would totally friend you. I, I really, I friend you. I friend you. I'm there. Okay? Okay, then feed my lambs. And then the third time it says in verse 17, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And, and it says Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And the word that he used there, Jesus dropped it down to, do you phileo me? Do you friendship me? Do you, are you good with me? And Peter's like, yes, yes, I match that level. It's interesting. Jesus was trying to call him here. Peter's down here. And some people have speculated that he's thinking, Lord, right now, I, that's as good as I can get. I don't even know if I can get there. I want to get there. I don't know. I said I was there before, and then I denied you three times, and I, I ran away. So, I mean, I was denying, and now I'm here, and you're calling me to here. And so there's speculation that Peter was like, that's, that's all I got. I don't want to promise something I can't get to. And Jesus comes down to the level that Peter is at and says, do you phileo? Yes, I do. And, and the amazing thing, Jesus comes down to that level, meets him there. But I believe Jesus obviously brought Peter to another level. Peter goes to agape love. I mean, he goes uh, all around the world preaching the gospel. He, he lays down his life for Jesus. Historians tell us that he was crucified for sharing his faith in Jesus Christ. And he didn't even want to be crucified right side up. He said, I'm not worthy. I want to be upside down. That's what historians would tell us. This guy's saying, I love Jesus at an agape level. I love my neighbor at an agape level. I love my enemies at an unconditional level. And so... It's amazing, Jesus wants him here, but Peter's here. So Jesus goes down to the level he's at and elevates him to another level. And I believe God wants to take you wherever you are and elevate you to another level. See, because all the other loves, those, those other loves are important, but they won't change the world. They will not change the world. Those other levels of love uh, help us to have civility, help us to get along help us to have long marriages, but they don't change the world. Agape love will change the world. And Jesus is like, church, wherever you're at, I'll take you where you are, but I want you to get to agape love. I want you to get to unconditional love. I want you to get to a level where you love your enemies. You're, you love everyone and you realize there's a gap here. There can be a gap there. Get out there and love and change the world. And that's what we need to do. And as I close, I give you just a few examples of people that I know a personal friend of mine that I will invite to preach at our church because you're going to hear this story and you're going to want to hear him preach. A personal friend of mine, his name is Michael. He was part of the IRA in Ireland. He was an assassin. He killed people. So he was a killer as an assassin in the IRA. And he was living that life and all of a sudden a, a, a global team, somebody from America was on a global team going to Ireland to share their faith with Jesus Christ and just saw him walking down the street, this rough character, an assassin. And he said, this girl just said, hey, I want you to know God loves you. Jesus loves you and we love you. And he'd never heard it with that level behind it. There was a level of agape behind it. There was a level of unconditional that 
shook him. He's like, what do you mean? What are you, what are you talking about? And the Holy Spirit jumped in in that moment and showed him a level of love that he had never known before from God. And in that moment, he gave his life to Jesus Christ, repented of this and said, God, that anger that I had, that I would assassinate people. I want to love people with a more intense love. I want that love in my life. And he's given his whole life now to going around the world, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, helping the poor, helping his enemies and living in agape love. That's what that's what will change the world. As a bonus, he also married the girl that said God loves him. <laughs> He's like, I got multiple loves out of that deal, you know. <laughs> Recently, and I was in several meetings, and I cannot tell you the country, and you just have to trust my integrity on this, all right? Um, I've met with ministries over the last six months that are giving me firsthand accounts. I saw pictures. I saw videos. I, I, I saw this, uh, the people with my own eyes, all right? I saw the people that I'm going to tell you about. All right, and um, I want to let you know that uh, there's a group of people that are former Muslims that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and right now at the risk of their entire life, they're walking around giving out the Bible to people saying, I want to let you know that I used to be filled with hate and rage, but now I'm filled with love, and the God of this book changed my life, and I want to give you this book at risk of their life. Some of them are being beaten. Some of them are losing their life. And they're saying, the God of this book changed my life. I give you this book as a gift. And they're doing it in the thousands and the thousands and the thousands. It's happening right now. That isn't phileo love that can do that. That's only agape love. And another story that shook me to my core, a family that gave their life to Jesus Christ in a very strict Muslim nation gave their life to Jesus Christ. The people of their village found out that they gave their life to Jesus Christ and came and did horrific things to the family, horrific things to the women, horrific. The family was so angered at what had happened to them just for giving their life to Jesus Christ. And they asked the missionary, is it okay if we repay them with a little violence? And the missionary said, no, Jesus does not advocate violence at all. Jesus calls you to love your enemies. He wants you to live in agape love. And they were like, oh after all that was done. So they got a little creative. I'm not saying that I advocate for this but, or endorse it, but they made a fake bomb. <laughs> they actually delivered a fake bomb to the house of the people they knew did this evil to their home. And they wrote a note on it and they said, before we met Jesus, this would have been a real bomb. But we met Jesus, and he won't let us do that to you. We love you no matter what you do to us. And left that on the doorstep. That's agape love. That's agape love. That's the type of love that will change the world. And the Lord is calling us today to live in agape love. And, and I think when, if they can live in agape love, if assassins, if people that are being abused and beaten and losing their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ can live in agape love, I say this to our church, I say this to the American church, we better raise our game. We better live what Jesus Christ called us to do and live at an agape love level. So Lord, I just pray right now that you'd help us to do that. I pray that you'd help us to do that. We thank you for the different types of love that we experience in our life. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that wherever we're at, you take us right there and you minister to us. But you call us up to a level that will live unconditionally, that will love unconditionally, that will realize there's a gap between us and you and there will be a gap between us and the people we love. But Lord, we will love unconditionally. Help us to live it out. 
Many of us will not be persecuted in those ways. But you said in 1 John, you said if we see someone in need, let the love of God meet the need. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, in a very practical way, may the love of God meet the need through us. May the love of God meet the need through us in Jesus' name. Blessing on your church as we look at love. Help us to live and love at a higher level. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.